I'm Vivian Nunez, and this is Happy to Be Here Season 1, Episode 1. I am so happy you're here. If you've listened to this trailer, you know that this podcast will focus on equipping you with inspiration for both your mental health and your creativity. If it feels like a very vast area of conversation, it's because it is. Both your mental health and your creativity is impacted by grief, motherhood, running a business, finding community, and so much more. I'm slated to talk to experts like grief expert and author David Kessler, entrepreneurs like Ellen Bennett of the famed and fashionable Apron, and fashion trendsetters like Carla Martinez of Vogue Mexico. Each week, we'll pick a topic and dive in. You'll get to meet one guest on Tuesday and another guest on Thursday, who will give you a more tactical approach for that week's topic. This week, we're focusing on the power of words. Here's Liz Hernandez, dear friend and founder of Wordiful. We were just talking before we pressed record about her amazing event that she hosted in New York City a few weeks ago. That was a manifestation of the work she's doing through Wordiful and just this community gathering that was so heartfelt. And I mean, I won't say too much. I want you to like introduce yourself, but just the preface is she's amazing. She brings community together in the most powerful ways. And I am in awe. Thank you, Vivian. I'm just, I feel the sentiment is the same. Uh, You and I connected from the jump and I believe our first conversation was around grief. And then we touched base during the pandemic And the way we were able to show up for each other and just hold space, I thought was so beautiful. And I was really honored and humbled that you said yes to being a part of the Wordiful event in New York. Uh, When people had asked me what was one of the most memorable moments on tour, I said, when Vivian Nunez took the stage and she said, I may not know how to turn on the lights, but I'll sit in the dark with you. That stayed with me and will stay with me forever because... Really, that's what this whole season in the last two years has been about, of us, the lights went out on us, and a lot of us didn't know what to do or what the protocol was, but when if you just had one friend who was willing to sit in the dark with you, that felt so powerful, and to me, that is what encompasses and defines community is someone who's willing to be there with you and make you feel less alone. So again, the power of words, it was so impactful. You have used words and community as these lifelines for yourself, but also for the people that you fold into it, right? I think the only reason I had the space to even say that was because you created such a safe space with everyone that was there. Um, So I'd love for people to know who you are and how you were inspired to start Wordiful in the beginning. It's it you you kind of said it it was about creating a safe space for myself to begin with you know I came from the world of radio I did radio for 10 years and I was privileged to speak to Los Angeles and that was my my people there were the majority were Latinos and it felt I felt really proud that I could speak on their behalf that I could represent uh, that I felt at home And so once I graduated out of radio to television, that goes away, that sense of community. And now you're storytelling about celebrity news, which didn't connect to my heart. I was just following the trajectory of my career. I got into radio because I loved music and storytelling and community. And there's this moment where, you know, when you're in the industry, they're like, what's next? What's next? It's kind of like a relationship. Like you get married and then like, when are you having the baby? You know? <laughs> so it's the same thing with our careers. People are always asking us what's next. And in a way it's so interesting because I feel like I could have done radio forever because I loved it so much, but I also knew I needed to evolve into whatever that next thing was. And so it just, 
Television felt like the natural part of that course. But once I got into television, you know, my first experience with it was MTV, and that was really exciting because it was still music and storytelling. And then I went to E! News. But once I got to Access Hollywood, it was all celebrity news. It was just driven by that machine. And it felt very empty to me. And at the same time, within that month that I was first hired, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she would begin to lose her words. It made me start thinking about my own words and what I was putting out into the world. Uh, I had, again, I had missed that sense of community I had with radio. And I just thought, if I can just create my own tiny little platform as a passion project and create a safe space where I can talk about the things that are important to me, that would be amazing. So Wordiful was created and the first word I did was connect. And what I didn't realize was I was, you know, I was creating these episodes that were like 60 seconds to two minutes. And I was thinking that I was just gonna talk about what this word meant to me, maybe how we were misusing it, but really it became a catalyst for healing. And I didn't realize that that's what it was going to do. And so words were taking on deeper meanings the more and more I spent time with the Passion Project. And I would say within like two years, I was standing on stage at Access and I just felt so out of alignment. I was delivering a story that I cared nothing about. And my mom was dying. She was probably had lost about 90% of her words. And it's something to me just clicked. I need to get back to community. I need to get back to storytelling. I need to spend more time with my mom and I need to not be careless with my, my own words. And, and then I threw my first live event and I would say like 300 people showed up and I realized I wasn't the only one who was yearning for community. And the beautiful part was as these events ended, women were staying behind and they wanted to share what part of my story impacted them or the similarities they saw in their own lives. And I realized that I needed to create a safe space for women to come and share their stories. I needed to just be the catalyst to start the conversation, but then turn, the, turn, turn it over to them. And so over the years, I just, saw the same women showing up to these events and I saw their growth and I saw their healing. And it was beautiful because then we were able to turn that into a nationwide tour. Isn't that amazing, right? When you, there's so many parts of what you just said that I want to like latch on to. But I think specifically it's this idea of like everyone always asks you what's next, what's next, what's next. And it's like you're piling up all these words to create sentences and chapters that may not even make sense for you because you're so looking at this bigger picture of what it's supposed to look like versus like what does it look like right now? And I think one of the my favorite parts about Wordiful, your video specifically, is that you're focused on one word. That is it that is the foundation for the entirety, right? Because then you're sitting and you're thinking about like community and connection and how, and what does growth look like? Not just what does progress by definition of like everyone else's definition of it. And so even when you mentioned that you were able to see how so many women grew from like the first time that you met them or saw them to where you would see them a few months or years after, I feel like that's so synonymous with our relationship even. Like when we did talk about grief, when we were, when you were in the process of just beginning Wordiful and learning what that was going to look like to where you are now on national tours and like really connecting with people. It's just so magnificent how the power of a single word 
can do that. And it really, thank you, Vivian. Like, I, as, as you're saying this, I'm like, wow, that is wild. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, I'm trying not to forget, like, things that you're saying that are so, they mean so much to me and it's so important because really what those words are is an opportunity to tell a story. And I always say our story is our superpower because it was really about creating relatability. It's that reminder that we are all connected and we are all going through the same things. It's like, yes, it is a simple one word, but I always say there's only an array of emotions that as humans we feel and we all feel them. So if I'm talking about imposter syndrome, if I'm talking about shame, if I'm talking about heartbreak, if I'm talking about grief, these are all things that we we have felt. And I just feel really grateful that other women, people can see themselves in my story and feel less alone. And to me, that's that's really what it's all about. That is what community is all about. It's like when we sit in a safe space and share our stories, the shame goes away and we can then show up and be better humans to ourselves and to other people outside of us. How do you feel like that community served you in that process, right? Like not only were you serving them and creating that space, but I think so much of the grief and shame that you were holding on to was something that you were probably also able to redefine or re-examine through that process as you said it i got the chills because no one has ever asked me that and there i mean i could cry because they created a forum for me to feel validated in the sense that i wasn't alone because i could just sit and talk on on instagram or youtube and just be like here's what i'm feeling and people could be crickets and not say anything but the fact that other women were saying yes, I understand. And I'm so sorry. I mean, they were even offering their condolences or their shared experiences. And that to me is the beauty of connection. And it just made me, it just reinvigorated me to go back and want to share more and to be more, more vulnerable. And it's, it's so interesting because when I was in radio, it was the number one thing I struggled with was vulnerability. My producer would always be like, you need to share more, you need to share more. And I just didn't have the courage. And again, I think it was because it was all happening in real time that you're like, oh, am I going to say the wrong thing and then embarrass myself? Or is am I going to hurt the person I'm talking about? What are my parents going to think? What are my friends going to think? And so that is why even with the live events, like I ask people not to film. I ask people to put their phones away because it's really about, again, having that safe space to say what you want to say and know that you're not gonna be judged, you're not gonna be ridiculed, you're, there's not gonna be consequences. And even now with episodes, you know, I sometimes I just have to put it out there and just hope no one gets offended. <laughs> you know, I don't say names, but it's well, like, I, well, hopefully they don't know I'm talking about them. And if they do, then they, they obviously know that it's coming from a place of love, growth, and healing, you know? Oh my gosh. So one of my favorite quotes is actually from Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird, and I'm going to butcher it, but paraphrased version of it is something like, if someone wanted you to write better stories about them, they should have behaved better. (laughs) That is the heart of it. I wanted to ask you, you were talking so much about words, and you're talking so much about the transition from going from radio, TV to doing your own thing, building your own platform, creating this space. How do you feel like having that permission slip that it is your own space shifted the way you used your words 
maybe with less caution, like you said, you were a lot more vulnerable now. How did that shift happen? And was it intentional on your part? It started off with just a natural curiosity of, you know, I had read the four agreements in college. And that was a realization to my self talk. I wasn't I wasn't really aware how much my internal dialogue was impacting my behavior, my opinion of myself, how the opinions of others impacted me. And so that started my curiosity with the power of words. And I reread that book. I've probably have read it 10 times. It became my Bible really. And so as I grew and mature, and you know, sometimes you move away from the knowledge of it, you, you're, it, it stays back here mm-hmm. and you're aware of it, but you need those reminders of like, oh yeah, you know, something can happen in our life. Like we could be not chosen for a job and we invalidate ourselves. We think that there's something wrong mm-hmm. with us or we're not enough or the guy we like, you know, breaks up with us or never chooses us. And suddenly it becomes that girl is better than me, or she has something I don't have. And every time that first agreement be impeccable with your word and not to use the word against yourself, I always have to bring myself back to that loving self-talk. And it's a, it's a practice. It's a practice every single day. So as I dove into Wordiful and started, I would say, researching every word, it made me even more curious about how I was using it to either heal myself or hurt myself. How that, how was that word impacting me in my everyday life? Maybe in a way I hadn't even thought about it. Maybe it, it, I had a negative connotation about it, or maybe it was, you know, just even the word like behavior, like what's a behavior that I'm using every day because I've created this habit that's sabotaging me. So, and then once you start doing the research, you, open your mind to like all of these people that have done heavy lifting, you know, you're now reading the books and you're like, you're learning something new about the word. You're, it's almost like you're giving yourself therapy and really the way I like to view the work that I do is I'm going out there and, and, and doing all the research and, you know, trying to uncover everything and then digesting it, applying it to whatever season I'm in, in my life. And then coming back to the community and saying, if I'm dealing with this, maybe you're dealing with this and here's what I've learned from it. And I hope it can be helpful. How do you pick the words that you're going to be really sitting with? And is it informed by the season of life you're in or is it? No, it's definitely the season I'm in because that's (laughs) how you become passionate about it. Right. One of the words I just talked about was inner strength. And because it was the one thing that I've real, I've had to look at a lot lately. And I find myself really struggling with certain boundaries and creating choices that my future self is going to thank me for. And so I need to know how do I cultivate more inner strength? How do I do that so that I can show up for myself and work on my own behalf? Because we do a lot of things that are self-sabotaging and we want that instant gratification. But if we can remember, it's like investing, right? It's like if we put a dollar away every single day, later on, we're going to be so (laughs) grateful that we did that. So it's like if I can do these little things for myself that, yeah, sometimes they're uncomfortable. And yes, sometimes I just want to send that text message or I just want to do this thing that gives me that instant gratification. I know that my future self will be like, I'm so glad you didn't 
stay in that job. You didn't stay in that relationship that you chose yourself every single day. I love that because I, I, I write from that same perspective too where I'm like a lot of stuff I'm writing about is usually what I'm in or what I have just processed enough to be able to share, which I think has been like a really good distinction. What are some of the inner strength qualities or habits or tactics that you're using to kind of strengthen that muscle? So I see inner strength as an emotional muscle so for me it's all about mindfulness it's about getting quiet and hearing myself talk of like just watching your brain kind of do that ping pong game of i'm running over here i'm running over there what is my constant chatter what are some thoughts in my mind that are maybe these made-up beliefs or narratives and what are my triggers like what's triggering me right now to feel uncomfortable and I think the biggest part of mindfulness or meditation is that voice in your head that's like, okay, I've been sitting here long enough. It's time to get up and go drink water. Or you just make the most random excuses of why you need to get up. Uh, <laughs> oh, I need to go put the towels in the dryer. Or, oh, did, I, I'm expecting that email. Maybe it came through. And that's such a great practice for me to remind my brain that I'm in control. And when I say I'm in control, it's that part of myself that's witnessing the thoughts. It's my soul. I like to call it my soul or my higher self. If I can learn to control that, and I don't mean control like in a controlling way, if I can learn to master that, then what I'm able to do is when you say something that's triggering to me or offends me, as opposed to me spitting back some venom and saying something I might regret, I've now trained myself to give give myself space to think about how I want to respond and how I want to act. And instead of going to instant gratification, what are the long-term long -term effects of that choice? And so for me, that's that muscle of building inner strength. You seriously gave me chills right now because something that I've been doing the last few months is I put myself in timeout. Like that's what I've been calling it. Where like if something comes, if someone says, well, this thing changed or this has to happen or this XYZ thing, I say it to myself now, I'm going in timeout for 30 minutes or an hour and I am not responding to this thing for that long because I realize my default in many situations is to put someone else before myself and there are situations where that is the thing that has to happen but there are other ones where no, like actually we have to negotiate this differently or we have to think about this and compromise differently because I also have to be a part of this. But I would only realize that, wait, I didn't even try to defend myself in this or I didn't try to like, va like vouch for myself until way after when I'm like, oh, I You process have. it. And then we say, we, what we mm -hmm. do is we need time to process and then we'll say to ourselves, dang, I wish I would have said that or I yeah. wish I would have done that. And so that's what meditation for me does. It allows me to train mm -hmm. my brain to take that space. It's like getting ahead of it. It's like, you know what? I know that's going to happen. So instead of letting that happen, I'll try this instead and see what the outcome is at the other side. You just finished tour, which was magnificent in so many different ways. But what was one of those lessons that came from it in the space of community building and the future of Wordiful, really, and what you want to continue to put out there into the world in these community gatherings? The number one thing I learned is the power of vulnerability, which I already knew, but it just showed me how much healing comes when we are 100% authentic and real. And we learn more from each other when we can be ourselves than when we are living in a facade of 
I just want you to think that my life is this way or that way or project an image because no one can really relate to that because that's not real life. But what we can relate to are the array of emotions that we all feel. And so it was just a reminder to me that I want to encourage myself all the time to be as vulnerable as I can be just for my own sake of healing. Because if I want to be seen and I'm hiding behind an avatar, (laughs) that healing is going to take a lot longer. And the second thing I learned was how incredibly powerful community is. You know, again, like I was saying, when we create that safe space to share our stories, the shame dies because we look at another woman and you're like, she goes through that too. I had a woman in San Diego, she stood up and she said, you came out and the fact that you started crying allowed me to realize that I could, I didn't have to have it together all the time. And I was just like, wow, you just don't know. You just don't know like who's watching or who's hearing things or who, but we have to come together. I think, especially as women, because we are so good at shaming ourselves. We are so good at it. We shame ourselves for, you know, we suffer from imposter syndrome. We bury our secrets. We think we're the only ones going through um, something. All these, you know, and as women, we have so much pressure on how we look and when we can just sit with our truth and share that, man, it just makes us feel inspired. It makes us feel less alone. It makes us feel like, okay, I can actually go out and achieve my dreams because now I've been able to let go of all these things I've been carrying around that are just these acts of comparison that just take so much energy every day to fight off, you know? One of my favorite things of the many things that I love about you It's just that I really do think that you are, when I look around, one of the people who walks the walk and talks the talk. We've spoken before about like you can't really be what you can't see. And I think that there are so many people who need that example of someone else who is being very honest or being very real about the ups and downs of their own lives in order to be able to then feel brave enough to do the same in theirs. And you've created such a wonderful space of doing that, right? Even in this conversation, just the the access to the vulnerability and understanding that like yes there was shame in a lot of the stuff that you were doing or a lot of the ways that you were living that you were like this isn't what I need to be doing right now but that tension almost really helped kind of propel you forward to open up to the world it seems well thank you for acknowledging that and you're just your words are always so loving Vivian like they just fill (laughs) me up like I could float out of this room right now But (laughs) but you know we hear that word toxic positivity a lot And Mm -hmm. the person that it's toxic for is us because again, we're living a facade and there's no healing taking place as long as we're like, everything's fine. Everything's okay. I'm positive. I'm happy. And then, you know, we're behind closed doors and we're like screaming our head off or we're cussing at somebody in traffic because we can't really own the things that we are pretending to be, you know? And so healing is ugly a lot of times. It's a lot of crying and just, you have to talk it out and you have to allow yourself, allow yourself to feel it all. And it doesn't feel good to go through it. But, you know, I always say like, if you're dealing with a really big emotion that you don't want to look at, 
you have to take it apart like piece by piece like eat a little bit it's like think of like a big bowl of vegetables that you don't want to eat but if you eat it one at a time you can start to digest it and it's the same with this big ugly emotion that we're so scared to look at but if we keep shoving it down it's like we're adding more of that vegetable and the bowl's just getting bigger and it's just going to be more to eat later so if you just eat one little veggie a day before you know it they'll be gone that's what I was going to ask you next was more, how do you deal with that, right? Like, how do you break apart the imposter syndrome, the shame, the feelings that come up that I think stand to freeze us in our healing instead of allowing us to kind of move forward with it? I do a lot of thinking, a lot of writing, a lot of talking. You know, I talk with a therapist. I'm, I'm so pro-therapy. I think it's so important. You know, I know if, if we have so many apps now and places where we can go. Um, I'm a huge advocate of having a mentor. So for me, it's using all my avenues of knowing that I have girlfriends that I can soundboard with, that I have mentors I can soundboard with, that I can have a therapist who I can unload on because I try not to unload on my friends. I try to unload on um, someone who's being paid to hear me unload. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I've never heard it described that way, but it is literally that I unload on my therapist so that I don't unload on everyone else and everyone else can just be a sound. Absolutely. I love that and then, you know, journaling is important to me. Reading from self-help books is important to me. And then after I've done all of that, I come back and I learn to digest it all and take what resonates with me, get rid of what doesn't, but it always comes back to what is my truth and what is true for me and is it applicable to my life? Because someone can give us really good advice based on their experience, but it doesn't really resonate with me or I don't see like, I'm probably never gonna use that. So it always has to be what feels almost like putting on like those old comfortable sweats and you're like, ah, I can, this feels like I can get around and I can be myself in these, you know? So that's what the final answer or the final um, breakdown feels like for me. It has to feel like home. It has to, and, and I'm not saying it's not uncomfortable in the beginning. Like when you're first dealing with that emotion, mm -hmm. it's like jeans out of the dryer, uncomfortable. Like you're like, oh, <laughs> this is not, I don't want to deal with this. And you just kind of want to take them off. And it's, I know this is a bad analogy, but sometimes you just have to sit in the, it's a perfect Sometimes you just analogy. have to sit in the tight jeans until they loosen up a little and do some stretches. I kid you not, the jeans I'm wearing right now are straight from the dryer. And I had that same exact feeling right before. Talk about a synchronicity. Because it literally was like, oh my God, these are so comfortable in an hour. But to get through this hour. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to embarrass myself, but I would pan down. I'm wearing jeans. That's probably why the analogy came to me. But that's really what it's like, you know? And after a while, you start to... It, it goes back to what, you know, our good friend David Kessler says, emotions mm -hmm. need motion. So sometimes it comes from taking a walk, listening to music. Sometimes it comes through exercise a, in a different way, a more aggressive way where I'm, I'm, I'm cycling. Um, I could be on a run or it could be from sobbing my eyes out with my mentor or a therapist or a friend. But ultimately, like I said, it's always about taking as much time as I need to purge, to gather information, and then to come up with, okay, what am I going to do with 
with all of this and either create change, evolve, because obviously it's causing me enough pain where I can't stay the same. You mentioned David Kessler and it's such a good friend, such a wise human. And one of the questions that I'm going to start asking on the podcast is kind of to pass along recs on books and just places for other people to gather that inspiration and motivation and skills. And I think David Custer is a perfect segue into that because I know so much of what connected you to him was a Mm -hmm. book. Uh, Highly recommend Life Lessons. It's by David Kessler and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And it was really the book that started me on my journey to self-healing. So, I mean, I think we're always on that journey, whether we realize it or not, but it was very, it was very deliberate in, in saying, oh my God, I am in a place where even right now, I almost lost my breath just thinking about it. Like I was in so much pain because I was losing the person I loved most on the planet. And how was I going to function in this world without my mother? And his book just not only helped me figure it out, it's not all about death and dying. It's about Are we living our full potential? What are we gonna regret on our deathbed that we didn't do in this lifetime? His words are just so profound and powerful that yes, that would be my number one recommendation. (laughs) Honestly, the title of the podcast is happy to be here because while we are talking about mental health and like all the ups and downs of creativity, like everything that feels hard, quote unquote, the only reason you go through all that stuff is because you want to be happier to be here at the end of it, right? Like you want to find a way to have a better day, to have a better season in your life, to get through the really tough spots. And I think sometimes we forget that that's the end goal, especially when we're in a culture right now that is so open to talking about mental health and it's amazing. But I think oftentimes that can be a little bit toxic. Like we were talking about when it is just focused on the pain of it versus you're getting through the pain so that you have this beautiful life that you can continue to live and build in whatever way and shape and form that that looks like. And so I love that you mentioned that because it is kind of all of these tools and things that we turn to is so that we can be happy to be here. In 100%. The long run. It's about putting, I call it the tool belt of life. It's taking all these different tools that we learn along the way And, you know, I feel like the most important ones are self-compassion and positive self-talk because life inevitably is going to throw us a curveball. I mean, it happens. We're going to go through deaths. We're going to go through loss. We're going to go through heartbreaks. And looking back on who I was before I had a lot of these tools in my belt, I would drown in these overwhelming feelings. And now I, I feel so grateful that... I know if something like that happens to me again and the big tidal wave comes, I have enough tools in my belt to build myself a raft and that I'm going to be okay. I'm like speechless (laughs) because it literally is like so much of what we talked about when we first met was that you were in the middle of figuring out what that toolkit was, right? And we were like, we're always in the throes of just like, what else do I add to it? But it is so hard hopeful and heartening I think to anyone listening that you get to a point where you have enough tools even one tool that can help you just feel like you have some kind of savior life savior in, the, in that in the scheme yeah, of that you're all. not jumping out the plane without a parachute yeah and I, people like we're, to kind of bring it full circle as we start wrapping up the conversation like community is that right it, it everyone that's what I love I think I just had the exact idea of why I loved Wordiful events so much is that 
every single person in that room came with a different tool belt. Like everyone had something else that they could offer or trade or say, here, this is what I'm carrying with me and here's what you're carrying. I need that. And there was such a give and take in that room, right? People were willing, able, and more than happy to. And I think that the more that we can find those people in our corners, the easier it is, like you said, to sit in the dark with people because you know that it won't be forever and that you're there to be able to kind of hold that space while you can. 100%. And, you know, not to take this analogy too far to stretch it too much, but, but really think about if you're trying to build a home, right? And you show up and your tool belt has a hammer and nails and my tool belt has a saw and some scissors or a measuring tape and someone else has something else. And we're then trying to build a safe space for us to take shelter and how much more powerful we are when we come together with all our different tools. And maybe I do have a hammer and nails, but I was doing it wrong. And I thought I was dumb because of it. I thought I'm not equipped to use this equipment. And then you teach me how, and suddenly I feel more confident. My self-esteem grows because Vivian, who's in my community has taught me how to properly use the tools that I've always had. Maybe I just didn't know how to apply them. This whole episode is just about self-love and community (laughs) care. Like in a nutshell, that is exactly what it is. And I am so thankful that you take the time to just sit with me and have this conversation. Thank Thank you, you Vivian. I love you deeply. I'm always here to support you. I'm so, so grateful. Like you say, it was just in the stars for us to meet. And I'm I'm grateful you're a part of my, my inner community. Thank you. Where can people find you on the internet? They can find me. Everything is under Wordiful. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and then my personal is just at Liz Hernandez. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you, Vivian. Love you. I can't believe that's the end of the first episode. Find the show notes in the description for all links and suggestions we mentioned. Remember, you can listen to Happy to Be Here anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and especially share. My goal is to bring a community together that can help support each other on this journey. It starts with you inviting one friend. I'll see you on Thursday.